and welcome to the Finding the Magic podcast. I'm Trisha Copeland, fiction author and host of the show. This is my 10th episode, so I feel like this is a mini celebration. And happy May! I changed over my love Danny calendar, and the saying of the month is, you are capable of amazing things. I believe this is true of every person. We all have something special to share. It's all about finding our passion and being brave enough to share it with the world. I love Danny's monthly affirmations. So if you aren't familiar with our cards, calendars, coloring books, stickers, and more, head over to lovedanny.com to check them out. You can download a free coloring sheet from her website. We've teamed up on several coloring page projects for my newsletter subscribers, and they are super fun. I got a bit off topic, but I love Danny's items, and she's definitely an amazing example of sharing her passion for kindness with the universe. Speaking of sharing your passion, the heroine of my most recent book, To Be a Fay Queen, has lots of gifts to share with her realm, and Titania is determined to make sure she has the chance. Last week, I read chapter one of To Be a Fay Queen. We left Titania conversing with Foster, who knew her new warrior friend, about how she would help defeat the evil couple creatures who are invading their realm. Listening in now to chapter two of To Be a Fae Queen. Chapter two. That night, when I finished playing for mother and father, I suggest again that I may be of some help with tracking the kobolds. Father repeats his order that I am to stay within the castle walls. Frustrated and angry, I dig my nails into my palm, but not in acquiescence. I take my leave and race back towards my room. Do you always fly so fast? Foster asks as he trails me, only when I am angry. What is wrong? Father will not let me leave the castle walls. His wide-eyed concern sends me over the edge. I do not need his pity. I slam the door in his face. I rest my back against the wood and try to catch my breath. There's a rap on the door. Are you okay? An idea forms in my mind. If I am not watched, I could slip out my window unseen. I am fine, Foster. It is dark. Go home. I'm sure the night guards will be along soon. Can I come in? Perhaps I can help you. Why would you help me? I do not have friends. Father keeps me sequestered in the castle most of the time. I guess for fear that I, too, will be taken from him. My emotions rage out of control, from fear to overconfidence. I cannot continue to act this way. A princess should appear regal. I open the door. Forgive me. It is late, and I am tired. It seems as though you could use someone to talk to. His emerald eyes reflect the candlelight. Thank you, but I am fine. Reaching a pocket, he hands me a whistle. Let me know if you need anything. Thank you. Good night. I click the door closed. My mind races with the events of the day. Frustrated, I begin to count my crystals. I count, skipping the missing pieces, and my anger rises. I take a deep breath and start to think of a way around Father's orders. I see now beside the walls. I will be dragged back to the castle and watched around the clock. Still, I can guard my own crystals at the very least. Dragging a pillow, blanket, textbook, and hourglass to the window, I start my vigil. 
My eyes grow heavy after an hour of reading. I jump up and fly around the room to rouse myself. Resting back on the sill, I count the crystals again to stay awake. Exhaustion still takes me. I startle at the sound of Alfredo's voice. What are you doing up there, child? Come down, Alfredo motions to the floor. I am not a child. I was trying to keep watch. I guess I fell asleep. What time is it? Seven. Time for breakfast. My eyes cut to the window. Why is it still so dark? Alfreda wrings her hands and shifts weight between her feet. I'm sure everything will be fine. Your father will take care of it. Alfreda, call me now. That is an order. More crystals were taken in the night. The ring is dying. I peer overhead, seeking solace for my crystals, only to find over half of them were gone. My crystals, how did this happen? I lay on the windowsill all night. Those horrid creatures, Alfredo's hand pops to her gaping mouth. Just eat your breakfast. Foster's waiting to escort you on your walk. I will let your father know what happened. Are you mad? Something needs to be done. I cannot just go for a walk like every other day. Our world is falling apart. Titania, Alfredo rubs her hands down my arm. That is what your father wants you to do. He and his generals are holding meetings now. They will think of something. Fine, leave me. I flit over to my breakfast. Once she is gone, I dress and pull on my boots, planning to listen in as father confers with this day. At the door, I hesitate. My crystals call to me. You cannot leave without counting your crystals. The internal voice beckons. No. I retaliate against the thought. Garrison, Bryce, Thornton, and Rigel are gone. Counting the crystals would not bring them back. I must think of some way to help my people. As I open the door, Foster greets me. Are you walking through the garden and orchard today? No, we are spying. I am under strict. I raise my palm. I care not. Grabbing his arm, I drag him to the back of the castle into my secret passageway. I press my ear to the stone of letting father study. We are spread too thin. Perhaps we could work with the neighboring kingdom. The kobolds must be aided by someone. The pitch of the voices rise and fall. I hear it, sense it, fear, dread. Sweat forms on my forehead and my heart begins to race. Recognizing the signs of an imminent anxiety episode, I take a deep breath and turn to Foster. We should take that walk now. His forehead wrinkles. You do not want to hear more? No, I want to walk. Now. Before he can say anything else, I dash through the narrow tunnel. I weave through the hedge. The garden colors diluted as if they are sun-faded water paintings. Birds call from the tops of the trees in the orchard, and the eerie half-lit scene leaves me more anxious about losing our upper, our opening to upper earth. Head back towards the castle after one pass of the outer circle. Perhaps we can practice fencing or archery, Foster says. What of my studies? Alfreda said none for today. All minds are focused on figuring out how to save the ring, he motions to the sky. Yes, of course. I draw in a breath. We pass the day fencing, shooting arrows, and playing games. I hate that I've been left out of the discussions. No one calls me for dinner, and Foster and I take supper in my room. Even this chamber, usually my favorite place, offers me no solace. 
as the last bits of light leave the sky. He and I make a pact to spend the night on my windowsill, waiting for the couple. We are awakened by Alfreda's screams the next morning. What, dear children, do you think you are doing? I zip into the air. We are not children. Buster's the soldier. We are waiting for the couple. What time is it? Seven, as always, her eyes land on Foster. You should go to your quarters. Yes, ma'am, he bows and backs to the door. Your Highness. I guess it is good that you have a friend. Alfreda's eyes cut to the sky. She draws the curtain on the other window. Where is the sun? I race to the opening. This is all, dear. What happened? Your father is going to the neighboring kingdoms to ask for assistance. He believes the couple will target them next. They will aid us. You and Foster should pass the time together again today. How can I do that when our kingdom is crumbling? Alfreda sighs. Dear, please, just listen to your father. Fine, go then. I will summon Foster later. I grab my breakfast tray and plop onto my bed. Looking at the ceiling, I realize only a few hundred of my crystals remain. My heart thuds in my chest. This cannot be happening. I grab my bow and quiver and jump to the window. I blow into the whistle Foster gave me, and he appears within seconds. What do you need? We must do something. A smile spreads across his face, and he bows low. Whatever you wish, hi. Swinging my legs over the sill, I hop to the ground. We need arrows, lots of arrows. He leads me to the ammunition stores, but the rooms are empty, and my mood plummets. Between us, there are only 24 arrows. The troops are sleeping after the long night. We may be able to sneak some away. Buster tucks my sleeve, motioning for me to follow him. We fly to the barracks where the troops lay resting and flit between their beds, collecting several arrows from each quiver, and soon our arms are full. Making our way to the garden, we wind through the maze to the orchard. We jump into the air, flying high over the wall, over the farmer's fields and to the eastern side of the kingdom. Descending into the forest, I adjust my vision. A small group of warriors flank the cave. They shoot arrows across the entrance every minute or so. I turn to Foster. Something is not right. This is where they saw the footprints? Yes, I believe so. What if it is a diversion? My mind spins, remembering several openings I knew along the banks of the river. Come on. Following the stream, we inspect each hollow, but cannot find evidence of the cobalts in the forest. We head south, following the waterway to the ocean. A darkness, blacker than any night I can remember, descends, and we circle back to the castle. As with the prior night, Foster and I sleep on the windowsill, this time taking turns keeping watch. When my clock strikes seven, I sit up and inspect the ground. No light glistens in the sky, not even on the edges. Foster rouses, rubbing his eyes. How are we going to find anything in this darkness? We will need lanterns and fuel. But first, we must find out if there are any crystals left in the fairy ring, or if the cobbles have absconded with them all. There are not any left. I doubt they will return. They will probably move on to the next kingdom. Splitting from my window, we make for the home of the keeper of the ring. He is the oldest fae in Auburn and has watched over our ring since the age of 17. I've seen him in the castle, but only spoken to him a couple of times. What will I tell him? Why would he give us information? An idea forms in my mind. As we land in front of his cottage, I whisper to Foster, let me speak with him. I was hoping you would say that. 
The keeper does not seem like one to be trifled with. I knock on the door, and a bent gentleman with long white hair and a beard greets me. His thin, holy wings hang slack from his back, seeming as if they may crumble at any second. Straightening my shoulders, I lift my chin. King Oberon sent me to get a report. Are any functional anchors left in the ring? That is very interesting, Princess Titania, for I just spoke with his first advisor, Gunther, moments ago. The keeper holds my stare. I swallow and take a second to devise another strategy. So you know who I am? Good. Then you know how important it is that the royal family be apprised at all times. I am on a mission for my father. One anchor stands. You could pass to Upper Earth, but if we lose this one, you would be stuck with no way of return. Perhaps that is what your father intends, to safeguard his only daughter until he can secure the realm. I would allow this. His majesty must know that. Will your mother be accompanying you? No, I mean, thank you. Good day and blessings. I back from the door, taking to the air. Do you think that is what your father means to do? Have you secured a way? Buster's words echo my fears. I know not, but I cannot let that happen. If your father wants you to go to Upper Earth, I do not see how you will avoid it. I will not go back to the castle then. You can get all the supplies and meet me at the den in the stream. I land outside the castle wall. We think of all we may need, including a map, lanterns, food, and additional arrows. Foster agrees to meet me in the wood and jumps into the air. What if I'm seen and they ask where you are? Foster hovers above me, ready to take his leave. Tell them I am napping at the library, fencing, in the garden, or roaming the orchard. It does not matter. Just be quick. Pulling my wrap around my body, I start towards the forest. I think of Alfredo coming to my room to find me gone. Perhaps I should have told Foster to make some excuse to her. But our kingdom sits on the brink of disaster. We have not time for such things. When I enter the trees, the darkness envelops me, and I spring into the air. Enough light filters to the middle of the canopy for me to stay hidden, yet avoid a run-in with the branch. I find the stream and wind to our meeting spot. I sit atop a stump to wait. I hate the dark. Every crackle and tick causes me to jump. Thinking of what may lay ahead, I say prayers to the gods and goddesses. An image of the cobble looming over me flits through my mind. I extend my hand and envision light springing from my fingers. Nothing. I close my eyes and focus on my core, picturing a ball of light emanating from my chest, spreading down my arm and leaping from my hand. I lift my eyelids to blackness. How are you, fifteen-year-old? Sheltered princess, going to make a difference. Standing, I slide my quiver from my back. I can but try to help. Doing something will be better than nothing. I launch arrows into the soft bark of a tree opposite me. When my arms tire, I pace a small clearing, wondering why Foster is not here yet. Was he detained or assigned another duty? What if he does not come at all? What shall I do then? Just as I decide to give up, hear the rustling of wings overhead hide beneath a bush until I see his red hair. What took you so long? The kitchen staff thought it was sweet. I wanted to pack a picnic to entertain you in the orchard. They felt the need to make sure the biscuits were warm and cream cold. A picnic? They will think you are courting me. I lift a bag of arrows from his shoulder. I thought it sorted me. We start the map, marking off areas already searched. Then we take to the air, searching each part. But what would have been 
sorry for the ding, that's the little interruption. By what would have been nightfall, we have only one corner of the kingdom to rule out, a small strip of land on the southern tip. The map says the earth slips up to a volcanic cone. I cannot imagine there would be anyone where there to hide. Foster pops a piece of bread in his mouth as we rest on a rock. Except a huge mountain with plenty of space for underground caves and tunnels. The map does not indicate any caves in Mount Kosciuszko. It is an active volcano. It could erupt at any moment. A perfect hiding place, I should say. One no they would dare to enter. After finishing our snacks, we shoulder our packs and take flight, rising as the mountain does below us. The air cools, and I wish I wore my winter coat. We zigzag over the surface, making sure to survey each parcel. Higher up, no trees grow, and with thinning air, we land, hiking back and forth to the top. At the summit, I behold the countryside, stretching to the next kingdom, and watch the light from their rings fade with the sun above. I imagine what the view may be when the full sun blesses the whole realm, and wonder why I have not ventured to this spot before. The ground beneath me shakes, and gripping a nearby rock, I steady myself. What was that? Foster holds out his hand. Something is not right. We have to go. We have come this far. We are so close. I know it. If anything happens to you, I will be blamed. You are my subject, and I ordered you to follow me. You know that is not how your father will see it. Then we must hurry. I jump into the air and head down the mountainside. Seeing a steep rock face and ledge hidden behind a burrow of trees, I land. Foster quick at my side. I hold the lantern right up to visualize the space and wind to the back of the cliff around the curve of the mountain. An opening, five feet wide and twenty feet high, looms in front of me, hidden from view of the valley by a copse of trees. I raise my light and step inside. What do you think? It is worth inspection. Lighting another lantern, Foster inches to me. We tiptoe into the passageway, dodging rocks jutting out from the walls. We tread five, ten, twenty, fifty feet into the cavern. Bone chilling air hits my face in a rancid smell, scent of a cobble. I will never forget that smell as long as I live, surrounds me. How did I confuse the smell in my room with this one? It has been three years. Similar, yes, both foul, but not the same. One man in my room smelled more of oil and musk rather than fermenting meat. I tuck that thought away for later. This must be it. It is definitely some type of passageway. Foster lifts the lantern between us and yields. Are these footprints? If you can call them feet. I recognize the claw marks of a couple. We should go back. We'd be no match for one couple, much less an army. And also whatever magic creature is aiding them. Jumping into the air, we race out of the opening into the trees. I extinguish my lantern. Do you think they will know we are here? Foster snuffs out his light. You have no idea how long that tunnel is, or if they will even come out. But it's worth trying. We search every parcel. I feel it in my bones. This is where they are hiding. Give me an arrow. I raise my bow. Foster hooks his quiver on a branch. Do you not think we should call for backup? These things are strong flyers, and they can be invisible. What other powers might they have? If something happens to you, I snatch an arrow from his bag. What about my guilt if something happens to you? Did you ever think of that? But I am no one. Only my family cares if I come back. The mountain rumbles and our tree shakes. I grip the trunk. 
We're not going to have families to go back to you. We do not find the kobold and the anchors. Do not sound an alarm until we see a kobold. That is an order. Father would just lug me back to the castle. I cock my bow and release the arrow, sending it speeding across the opening. I count to thirty and repeat, then again and again and again. Foster flies to the other side, retrieving the arrows to keep them replenished. I pull back my arm and release repeatedly. Adrenaline shoots through my veins as I repeat the motion. With the darkness, I lose track of time. Foster shakes my shoulders, breaking my concentration. You have to eat something. Let me take over. After snacking, I resume my post, but begin to doubt the couple will come. The arrows make little sound. Perhaps the beasts have detected the motion. Thirty. I finish counting and let the next arrow fly. And the next one. One after another. It is the witching hour, Foster whispers. What? We have been here for eight hours? Yes, your high Titania. Okay, focus. This could be the most important hour. I study my jacket. They could figure out our system. Maybe you should just shoot them at random times. I bite my lip. I do not think the couple are that smart. Maybe, he shrugs. Does not hurt to try. Shooting after 10 seconds, and then 20, 30, back to 20, and 10 again, I vary the time. After letting the 10th arrow loose, a screeching sound cuts through the night. My eyes dart to the opening and see a huge lumbering cobble holding aside where my arrow entered. I cock the arrow again and release. Hitting another beast, Foster launches an arrow at the opening, hitting it first an invisible target, then morphs into a cobble. We file, fire arrow after arrow, and more cobbles fall. I nudge Foster. I think we should sound an alarm. Call for the warriors. Your father is not going to be happy with me. The armies are far away. We do not have many more arrows. If we miss, we are in trouble. Plus, we are the heroes here. The only thing my father is going to do is to give you commendation and a promotion. I pray you are right. He puts the horn to his lips and blows the high-pitched signal only fairies can hear. I refocus on the cave opening and launching arrows, but do not hit any more cobbles after shooting up another ten. Not wanting to re risk retrieving them, and only, with only four more between us, we halt our attack. What do you think? They give up? Retreated back inside, I whisper, or are coming with a bigger army. Different weapons are going out another way. I peer into the darkness. Where is Father's army? I think we wait. The moments drag and cold envelops my skin. Shivering, I rub my arms, trying to keep warm. Highness, huddle in my jacket. Foster opens his coat. My teeth chatter as I slide to his side. Heat from his chest warms me and my muscles relax. I know his scent, like that of hay and fresh cut grass. After a few minutes, the flapping of wings catches my attention. Tilting from his side, I stand on the branch to see Father and a legion of fairies descend. Jumping into the air to join him, I hold my breath, waiting for his reprimand. Titania, how are you here? You sounded the signal. We did. I motion to Father as he approaches. Foster as he approaches. Foster, you were too. Father, the kobolds, we have found their entry point. I point to the crevice in the rock and the fallen kobolds. Father directs his troops to give us additional arrows and leads his warriors into the cave. Foster and I continue our assault on the cave entrance, hoping to stop any kobolds that escape the army. Ten more kobolds fall from hits with our arrows. I lower my weapon as four arrows land on the rock's edge. I think that is all of them. 
Foster squeezes my hand. You saved us from the couple. We bested them, I smile at him, jumping into the air. I head to the opening. Now to help father. I do not think he would want. Whatever magic creatures aiding them could be hiding inside. The army needs all the soldiers it can get. Flying over the couple of corpses, I divert my eyes to the dark opening ahead. As we descend into the mountain, the passage grows dark, the air heavy and cold. The light in the distance grows brighter as we round a bend. I stop short. Soldiers hunch over a form. I push the rose of Faye to the center. My father lies motionless on the dirt. What happened? I kneel beside his body, running my hands over his legs, arms, and torso, searching for a wound. Father, wake up. Removing his helmet, I test his neck for a pulse. I feel slight erratic vibration under my fingers. His chest rises, and he coughs up blood. My mind reels. I cannot lose my father. Sensing the fay behind me, I stand. Where's the rest of the army? Highness, come away. One of the fay pulls me towards the exit. I shake my head. Do we find the anchors? Where are the other soldiers? General Kane steps forward. The others are chasing the couple of father into the cave, searching for the anchors. Have four of your fay take the king back to the castle and call for the healer. The rest of us should aid the army. We need all the soldiers we can get. I hold my palm out to Foster, and he sets my bow in it. Taking wing, we charge deeper into the tunnel, finding the others fighting hundreds of kobold, half sprite, half reptilian, reptilian-like creatures. I thought them bigger, but realized most are not much taller than the male fae. Without my sword, I'm no match for them in direct combat, so I cock my arrow, bring down one, and motion for the others to do the same. We pick off the ones we can from the air while the warriors aid their comrades on the ground. Scanning the cave, I see an orange glow at one end. I approach the opening and find it leads to a smaller cavern. With the cobalt army locked in battle behind me, I slip inside. Huge chests litter the floor. Beyond, hot pools of lava bubble and fester. I drop to the ground and lift the lid of one of the chests. Foster lands beside me. Guard the exit. He opens the box to my right. I stay with you. We do not know what lies beyond those lava fields. I guess whatever evil being is aiding them. I dart to the other crates, searching for the anchor crystals. Opening yet another wooden box, I find it full of crystals, including some fairy crosses. I wonder if they are from my chambers. I drop one of my quiver and move to the next. Blinding white light sears my eyes. These have to be the anchors. Give me your bag. I feel Foster's pack and then mine, taking all the crystals. As we put the quivers over our shoulders, the ground shakes. A fissure opens between us. What was that? Foster offers his hand. I fit mine and his as the lava bubbles higher. The rock rumbles beneath us. Red magma shoots from the cracks and splatters the cavern ceiling. A column of rock topples to the ground, and we jump into the air. Shooting for the exit, I yell for Foster to sound the retreat. Foster blows into his horn as we pass into the large hollow. With a boom, rocks fall from the cave ceiling, blocking the entrance to the inner cavern behind us. One by one, our soldiers take to the air, leaving the remaining cobbles wide-eyed. I hover near the ceiling as the passage grows tight with our warriors. The rock around me shifts, and I press my back to the wall behind me. Titania, you have to come now. We need to get the angers to the keeper before they are lost forever. The cave is going to be buried. Foster tugs at my arm. I will be the last. I slide the pack from my back, 
hand it to him and then push him to the way of a flying soldier. One stops in front of me. Titania, you must come. I will see the last of our army out safely. No, you will come now. The fae of this kingdom need you. He grabs my hand and drags me into the sea of flying fae. We weave through tunnels, rubble pulsing our bodies. I dodge falling rocks and shifting walls. Landing outside, I wait on the ledge for our last warrior, instructing the soldiers to rendezvous in the valley. Some carried injured or limp bodies, and I steal my emotions against the tears threatening to pour. How many will we lose? In the dark meadow below, we light torches and take count, finding all soldiers but two, whose comrades report the couple overtook them. Of those gathered, seven no longer draw breath, and fifteen are injured such that they cannot fly on their own. Nine dead, I summarize in my head, pushing away the thought that my father may make ten. I approach General Kane. How many troops did you bring? Three hundred, Highness. We lost many tonight. It would have been much worse if not for your fast thinking and archery skill. You saved our kingdom. It may be even our own, our whole realm. Let us hope the anchors to the fairing are with the crystals we found. I instruct the fae to make stretchers of branches, and when these are finished, we take to the sky. Seeing the first light in the glowing, sorry, seeing the first light of the sun glowing above the trees, I guess Foster deliver the anchors to the keeper. I glance back at the mountain, and my breath catches in my throat. Hubble stream around the ledge. General, I point back to the peak. He sounds the alarm, ordering the injured to be returned to the castle and all others to follow us. We charge of the mountain, arrows and swords held ready. We pelt the couple with arrows and other troops meet them on the ground. I yell to Cain, if their numbers grow much more, we will not be able to hold them off. There must be some way to stop them from entering this realm. Realizing the couple must be fleeing because the mountain's unstable, I wonder if there's a way to collapse the opening. I fly above the cave entrance and see there is just enough room for one couple to exit at a time. Lavel seats from several fissures beside the passage. I gather ten of our biggest soldiers and we cut down five trees. Stripping the branches, we form battering rams and carry them to the peak. The warriors ram them against the side of the mountain. Each blow causes rock to fall over the entrance until it is sealed. We join the forces below, making sure every couple is brought down. The mountain trembles, and the top explodes with gushing lava. Racing way, I round up the soldiers on the other side of the meadow, under the cover of the trees. Cain instructs a small battalion to keep watch, and the rest of us take flight down to the castle. Even from a distance, I can see the sun shining up the white stone of the structure. Drawing near, I descend to the meadow beside my home. Funeral powers lie in the space, and I steal my emotions against my impending loss. One of these may be my father. I stop at each, picking flowers and laying them atop the fallen fae. My chest tightens as I reach the last body. Realizing it is not my father, my guilt matches my elation. For this guy is most likely someone's father. Your brother's tires were set up in the courtyard. My brain tries to block the memory. Exiting the meadow, I walk through the orchard into the garden. Each fay I pass drops to one knee as I approach. Even though I fight them, tears stay in my cheeks. My father is dead, and I am queen. I arrive at the edge of the courtyard. It is empty, save soldiers milling about. 
Dropping to a knee, they clear a path before me. Tears cloud my vision. There's not been enough time for me to prepare. There has not been enough time to prepare his body. You must be strong, Titania. Every fay watches you. Knowing I must now bear the torch for my family, for my kingdom, I square my shoulders and raise my chin. As I near the entrance, I see a red-headed soldier approaching. I blink, and Foster's face becomes clear. He drops to one knee in front of me. Stand up. You deserve as much honor as I. As he rises, he takes my hand and kisses it. I'm so glad to see you safe, Highness. My face flushes as his eyes lock on mine. His wide-eyed stare does not does little to give me hope, and I ball my hands into fist. You cannot be a girl with a faint heart anymore. You must show strength and courage. Where is my father? He is in the hall. He asks that you be presented at once. I'm sorry, I'm tearing up as I'm reading this. He is alive, but I thought... The leaf washing over me, I release my breath. I skim the faces of those gathered, their stares trained on me, and bewildered as to why the soldiers have taken a knee. I do not understand. Foster's eyes stay fixed on my face. What are you staring at? Sorry, Highness, it is your face. Cheeks flaming anew, I wipe my cheeks. With the tears and dirt, I must look horrid. Fingers pull at my wrist, and Foster's hands wrapped around mine. Do not hide. I take in his emerald eyes and full red lips, inches from mine. Hide what? He traces a line across my cheek. Your markings, they grew darker. Highness? I recognize Kane's voice. Your father waits for you in the Grand Hall. Father? Following Kane, I cross the corridor into the Great Hall. Father sits at the end in a wheeled chair to the left of the King's throne. Bandages wrap his torso, but he retains good color. It takes every bit of self-control to walk across the room instead of racing to his side and slinging my arms around his neck. I remember who and where I am and nod as each of those lining the walls bow to me. Father, I curtsy. I'm glad to see you are well. The doctors say I have a collapsed lung and two broken ribs, but they will heal. That is good. You have a report for me? General King? I spent a basin. Kane smiles. I believe you can give the king the information he needs. Raising my chin, I look at father. As you can see, I motion to the window. The anchors had been returned to the keeper. They were hidden deep inside Melkovsky's scoop at the southern side of our kingdom. We killed all those that escaped, sealed the rest inside the mountains, and left 20 soldiers to ensure that there are no stray couple roaming about. Father pushes on the arms of his chair, hoisting himself to a standing position. And you and Foster left the castle to find the couple all by yourselves? Yes, but it was my idea. Foster was only obeying my orders. If you need someone to blame for disobeying you, it is I. A smile spreads across his face. I underestimated you. Even at your young age, you've proven yourself more than worthy of the throne I now relinquish. Relinquish your throne? But why? You're still fit to rule. The doctor said you would heal. I am an old man. Perhaps you do not see that. But if you show me that you could save this kingdom when I or any of my generals or advisors could not, you should be ruling Auburn, Auburn as queen. All hail Queen Titania. 
General Kane drops to one knee. Shouts ring out through the hall. Ideas gathered in the courtyard crowd into the throne room. The voice seems deaf in me, and my head swims. Is this real? Surely I am dreaming. Am I prepared for this? Father draws his sword, and I focus on the bright blade. This is your destiny. You will be worthy of this post. I bow before him. I hereby relinquish the role of Auburn to my daughter, Titania, the only heir to the throne. Long live Queen Titania. Long live Queen Titania, the crowd echoes. My heart thumps in my chest as I ride. I take Father's hand as he leads me up to his throne. My throne. I sit down on the weathered soft wood and run my hands down the arms, barely breathing. Raising my chin, I scan the crowd. We are victorious today because of the bravery of many, including Foster. I raise my hand in motion to him. Our generals and our soldiers who fought bravely in service to this kingdom. Let us honor those who lost. Those, I'm sorry. Those lost in this battle. Well, my voice is getting really, really mushy. We do have three more pages left in the chapter. But I think I will leave it to read next week. And we can start up on page 43 again. I will have to remember to have my water ready when I record. But Titania has really showed her father and the whole kingdom that she is capable of great things. And I look forward to reading the rest of chapter two to you next week. Thank you for turning into my podcast, Finding the Magic. Please leave any comments and suggestions. And happy reading and happy listening until next time.